Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend, and welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you're here and listening in. And today I'm interviewing the warm, delightful, and inspiring Dr. Michelle Borba, who recently released her latest book, Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. Dr. Michelle is an internationally renowned educator, award-winning author, and parenting child expert. She has served as a consultant to hundreds of schools and corporations across the globe. She also is an NBC contributor who has appeared 150 times on the Today Show and countless other shows, including Dateline, Dr. Phil, The View, NBC Nightly News, Dr. Oz, MSNBC, Fox and Friends, The Early Show, and CNN. Her work is featured in Time, Washington Post, Newsweek, and the list goes on. In this episode, Dr. Michelle shares with us why so many kids, according to the research, are overwhelmed, anxious, and burned out today, and the seven essential character traits that we need to focus on and cultivate in our kids in order for them to thrive. I can't wait for you to hear what Dr. Michelle has to share with us. Dr. Michelle, welcome to the show. I am so honored and thrilled that you are here. Thanks Uh, for being here. Thank you. I'm just looking so forward to talking to you. Thank you. Yeah. Me too. So you've written, is it 24 books? <laughs> yeah, at one point, yeah. I had a former English teacher in high school, the power of a teacher who said, Michelle, when you grow up, you should write a book. So the first book I actually dedicated and brought it to him, I'll never forget him. He was still same bulletin boards. I walked into this incredible high school English teacher. He looked at the book, patted me on the shoulder and said, I knew you could do this. And I started to cry. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> Oh, kids should listen to their teachers. But yes, thank you very much. It was all because of an English teacher. Oh, that's wonderful. It's so inspiring to me because I'm writing my first book. And I look at that and I'm like, she's written 24 books. You can do it, Cheryl. Yes, you can. Yes, you can, Cheryl. Well, and many of our listeners are familiar with your best-selling book, Unselfie. 
And now you have a new book out, I think that you released in what, March? And it's called Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine, which I cannot wait for the listeners. There it is. It is fabulous. Oh, thank you. We had talked, it was perfect timing when I was going to interview you because I was reading your book and I was doing a workshop on resiliency and building confidence in your kids and how to do that. And so I think that so many people that came to that workshop bought the book because I was, I was sharing, you You have so many studies and stories and tools and strategies. And so I'm excited to talk about it. Can you just share briefly about a little bit about yourself and what led you to write this book? Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm an educational psychologist. I'm a former special ed teacher. uh, And I think my entire life, I've been trying to figure out why some kids struggle and others shine despite problems or adversity. I had one uh, incredible professor. Her name was Dr. Emmy Werner. And what I didn't realize was the science that we don't get in our parenting manuals or educational manuals. The science on resilience says it's teachable that it's not locked into IQ, it's not locked into zip code. And once I started looking at her work, she did 40 years of studying the same kids growing up on the island of Kauai. All of them were facing extreme adversity, but one third of them, despite it all, were bouncing back. And her question, she's not the only one, Ann Matston did studies on it, Norm Gormese, Michael Rudder. There's amazing psychologists who have been studying kids who overcome adversity. And what they discovered is that Yeah, it's a teachable trait that almost every kid who can handle adversity first has a caring champion in their life. And if it's not the parent, it's an educator or a coach. We really do make a difference. But the second thing is they've learned protective buffers or strategies so that when the adversity or the challenge does come, they don't give up. They have this, I got this kind of an attitude. And what we've got to realize is that as parents particular, we can start instilling those even at age two. You got this, sweetie pie. They fall down. You got it. And they begin to internalize that. Uh, What I did, though, when I was writing Thrivers is to really try to narrow in on what are the most important skills that seem to really be ones that our kids, despite a pandemic, are going to need because it is an uncertain new world. And uh, the GPA isn't going to be the one that's going to get them through life. It's going to be a skill set on how do I handle the challenge and stress? And we can, we got this, we can do it. Which was so fascinating about all the studies you did. And you also interviewed over 400 kids for the book. The kids, I know many are that were teenagers. Yeah, the kids were extraordinary. Uh, Just a little sideways on that one because they're the ones that blew me away. Uh, Counselors gave me access to kids because once I looked at all the science and I was writing the book and it had the green light, I said, well, don't let me just talk to the experts. Let's talk to the kids. One-on-one, I talked to them and each one of them told me point blank, yeah, we are the most stressed out generation, you know. (laughs) And they also began to say, but you're not teaching us coping skills. And if you are, you've got to teach them so they're not like a worksheet or like a health unit in a a textbook. We've got to practice them. This one kid says, you know, we got to make them into habits so we can use them without 
parents. And another middle school girl said, yeah, and don't just go giving us koosh balls. You can't go walking around with a koosh ball any place, anytime. We got to be able to figure out the strategies that are going to help us any place, anywhere, because that's what today's generation needs. Oh my gosh, they confirmed every bit of research, but they were brilliant. I mean, if you really want to know the answers, ask kids. Isn't that amazing? They know and they want it. They want it. They're begging for it. Yeah. And they were talking about what they felt. They felt empty. Yeah. They felt stressed. They feel overwhelmed. And they were saying that so much stress is put on their grades. Yes. And their performance. I, I think that probably the one that just so many of their comments that were like a dagger going through to my heart. Uh, I was dealing with a lot of kids from very accelerated schools, high achievers. Listen, these kids were smart, smart, smart. Their GPAs of 4.0s were like 7.3s. They were like in the ozone. But one kid said, would you please tell my mom that I'm more than a test score? And another kid said, I, I feel like I'm being raised like being a product and not a human being. And we're missing the stuff on how to be humans help my parents know that that's what we need right now. So it's just a little reset in our parenting. It doesn't mean stop doing what you're doing and stop helping your kids succeed in a classroom. But it does mean that we've got to rethink what we do as our parenting and know for the long haul, it's an uncertain, anxious new world. They're a digitally driven group of kids. That's part of their world. But let's reset our parenting agendas so we match what our kids need and they will succeed without us. We so much need that reminder. And so yeah. many of the parents that are listening have tweens and teens. And why do you think that we tend to focus, put so much emphasis on grades and excelling now. Do you have any theory? Yeah, well, in all fairness to us all, as parents, I'm one of those with three boys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happens along the way is we've been fed that that's what's gonna help our kids be successful. And it started way back when with the no child left untested phase and it just kept mushrooming, mushrooming and mushrooming where everybody kept telling us, put the stress on the grades. So that's what we did because we love our kids dearly and we yes. want the best for them. And all of a sudden we begin to see warnings from the AMA, from the American Academy of Pediatrics, from the CDC, that we were raising the smartest generation on record, but also the most stressed and ill-prepared to handle life. They were more risk adverse, afraid to raise their hand and be deeper thinkers and think outside the box because it was gonna jeopardize their thinking. We've never seen a more stressed out group. Prior to this pandemic, one in five American kids was gonna be diagnosed with a mental health disorder and then came COVID. Well, a crisis only amplifies a pre-existing issue. So the good news is we can sit here and talk about all day long, we got a problem. But the other thing is we got to keep in mind, there are solutions. And that's what I was trying to offer in Thrivers. Proven, simple things that don't cost another dime, that are, don't involve hand, you know, hiring another tutor. You look through at the book and there's 300 ideas. Don't do them all or your kid will never let you read another book as long as you live. But instead flip and go, what does my kid need? In fact, there's a survey at the very beginning of the book to try to figure out what are you already doing? Give yourself credit. Hey, I'm already got that straight going. My kids are already excelling in that. But here's the pieces that I need to work on. Not today but for the rest of my parenting career, because we've got 18 years until our kids leave us. Most of the kids are coming back and staying with us until around the age of 26. So we've got a little more time, but <laughs> let's get this together because that's what we need to do for our kids' sake. Yes. And I love 
you give so much hope, but it's simple. Yeah. It's practical. And I think we make it so hard. Yeah. Okay. There's the key right there. And then back to one of the kids, they said, don't make it so hard, but make it into a habit. So like, if we need to calm down, then choose one skill to help us calm down, but keep practicing the same skill over and over and over. You know, it takes around 21 days for a new habit to form. <laughs> the kids know this stuff. So don't just teach us one time. The other thing is, do you know, the research says the best way to teach kids skills is by showing them. So maybe the best idea is for us to learn the skill. We practice it. And then what will happen is our kids learn it. For instance, one of the things that we do know, there's seven strengths that matter most for resilience. Okay, let's start with the very end one, which is optimism and hope, yeah, which has taken a nosedive in the last, you know, all you have to do is watch a daily death count on the TV of how many people have died and you begin to recognize it does impact kids. Pessimism, if it becomes pervasive and permanent, robs hope but also increases depression and anxiety. So how do you flip it? Yeah. One of the simplest things is um, what Navy SEALs taught me. They said, what we do is teach ourselves a positive comment. I know that sounds touchy-feely, they said, but it really works. So the moment you face a challenge, you figure out ahead of time and you keep practicing like, I got this. I can get through it. It's going to be okay. Not all of them, but one. Well, you can do the same thing as a parent. Find one and maybe make it a family mantra. And the moment you get frustrated, your kids are going to know you're frustrated. How are you handling it? Or you're stressed. Oh my gosh, that's okay. I got it. It's going to be okay. And keep saying it and saying it and saying it to yourself. After a while, if you say it loud enough, yeah, your voice becomes your kid's inner voice. That's so powerful. It is so powerful. And this book is so good for us to read as, as yeah. parents and and think about these areas in my life. Where are the areas that I need to develop? And you can even work on it with your kids and talk about it. But I love that. And you talk about the power of saying it out loud. And I do talk to myself. I'm like, you got this. You can make this fun. It's going to be okay. <laughs> you know what's really great is a mom said she did that and she did it and she did it. She didn't think her kids were listening. And the next time she was stressed, her kids turned to her and said, you got it, mom. You got this. <laughs> they are listening. <laughs> I know. Well, explain a little bit about, we're not going to go into all of them because yeah. you have to buy this book, um, but there's seven character strengths. Yes. So yes. let's just go through those, just name them. There's, I have them written down here. There's self-confidence, yeah. self-control, integrity, curiosity, perseverance, and what you mentioned, optimism. So when it comes to parenting, tweens and teens, mm -hmm. what do you think is the most important one? Well, what we now know from research is it's confidence. And that is too often, I know we're not talking about you, we're talking about your neighbor next door, but we focus on our parenting too much on our kids' weaknesses or on their labels, or on their deficits. And what happens is after a while, their glorious assets, which very often are different than ours, kind of get nosedive down. 
So the first thing that most parents says is the goldmine in the book is they said they start taking the core asset survey to figure out what strengths their children have that they may be overlooking. And they may be very different from yours. One of the most great story, I, what I try to do is just interview so many parents and one dad of a middle school boy said, okay, I got to tell you, I admit it. I was aiming my kid to be a lawyer. He's smart as heck, but man, it was going to be lawyer. That's what he was going to be. But all he talked about was wolves. Can you imagine a kid talking about wolves? Well, I finally said, okay, I'll take him on a, to a park and I'll have him meet a park ranger. And that was the moment I sat there with my mouth open because my kid was talking wolves at such a high level with this park ranger and correctly just correcting very politely the park ranger about stats about wolves and it was my oh my gosh get your act together get him into biology and forget the law because that's what helps my kid to thrive what i was doing was countering his asset so maybe the first thing is real simple get a three by five card and walk around the house for the next week without your kid knowing and just start marking down what does your kid gravitate towards? What brings him joy? And I'm talking not Fortnite, but other things beyond it. What does he say? Mom, I can't go to dessert right now because I got to finish this. Is it the guitar? Is it the book? Is it, um, you know, woodworking? I don't care what it is. What they've discovered that's really interesting is that ordinary things help kids become resilient. Hobbies, hobbies yeah. can yes. make such a big difference. The kids I interviewed, the middle school kids said, I, when I asked them, what are your hobbies? They looked at me dumbfounded. Who's got time for a hobby? I so, know. That was so sad. I was. You know? I went, oh, my gosh. But what kids do? Think about me. I learned to knit from great aunt Sally when I was like <laughs> nine. When I get stressed to this day, I bring out my knitting needles. So the things you do when you're a kid. You continue to do when you're a grown-up if you find what brings you the joy or helps you decompress. And don't worry. Don't go feeling guilty if your kid doesn't have one of those. Many families are starting to introduce family hobby days. Maybe they can get, you know, grandma to do baking lessons on Zoom. Or they can do great at it. Sally can do knitting lessons or woodworking lessons or guitar lessons. Or, you know, when your kids get a little older, the tweens and the teens, Find another kid who has the same interest as your kid, and maybe you can bond with that other mom and say, let's get him in the same class or in the same Zoom together because kids gravitate towards one another. But don't take that hobby time away from your child because uh, the number one time when our kids are most likely to drop out of school, get ready. End of freshman year, first semester of college. Yeah, that's what you what the research showed in the book. That wow. many of the college counselors said they just don't know how to decompress. And when they get hit with the overwhelming, uh, their, their first B, or they can't get along with a roommate, too often we bubble wrap them or we've yeah. solved the problems for them and they don't know how to get along with their own. So anyway, yeah. that's the yes. beginning yes. thing is ordinary things can make an extraordinary difference. Self-confidence, find the hobby. Yeah, I love how you focus on really being curious about it and even asking your kids. You talked about that, that asking them when they feel the most excited, when they feel happy, when they're in the flow. You use the word flow. Ah, uh, 
we know something. And this is back to the grownups called us. When University of Chicago watches us, particularly in our workplace, when do we really have the greatest amount of attention? When do we excel the best? It's when we're passionate about what we're doing. And the other thing that's very sad, and that's the flow state, Mm -hmm. we don't want to stop. Our energy just keeps on going and we just keep working on it and working on it. Well, this is Bill Damon from Stanford, who's been watching incoming college kids from Stanford. And he says, the sad thing is they're really smart, but they don't have the passion and purpose about their lives anymore. Find the passion of what they love to do and help them because that's what's going to help them find the flow state. That's what's going to give them the energy state. That's what's going to also boost their creativity. That's what's going to help them find their way to decompress and reduce some of the stress. Yeah. Yeah. So, so exciting. Like things that we can do that are going to make a difference. Yes. Like there's, yeah, there's so many different things. And even talking, you talk about, and I thought about adolescence and the importance of the question that they're all asking is who am I? Yes. And that at the foundation of a, of a self-confidence is them knowing themselves. But we tend, and again, we mean this well, we want it to look the way we want it to look versus being more curious about who our kids are. Yes. And, and you talked about the girl that played, I believe it was the violin, and she loved the violin so much, but she didn't have enough time because she was overscheduled doing other things. Yes. Do you know that our most gifted and talented kids give up their gift and talent at age 13 because the University of Chicago again tracked them. They looked at the gifted and talented kids based on who the teacher said, that kid is clearly gifted in art or science or violin. And then they discovered that the kid gives up that talent because they don't have enough time to practice it. So another simple thing, check the calendar. Just look at your kid's calendar. Can you cut one thing? Too often we we schedule and we schedule. Are you making time to put in and maybe ask your kid, what's the thing that you love to do the most of everything? What's the one thing you want to make sure you keep on the calendar? And then you can look at, is there one little thing maybe you can cut off the calendar? Because thrivers focus on who. They know who they are. They have a strong sense of positive identity. They accept their weaknesses. They know their strengths. And as a result, they can thrive. And when push comes to shove, they use those strengths in order to help them handle the, the strength, the challenge of the adversity. Yeah, I love that. So good. And also not underestimating, I was listening to your podcast interview, Audrey Monk. Monk oh, I love Audrey. Yeah, yeah, that was so good. And uh, she was even talking about if your kid has humor, yes. you know, like noticing where are they in the family? Like how we can just totally miss affirming something like that. Well, let's look at humor for a minute. Again, to the, to the ordinary thing. Again, back to Emmy Warner. She says that simple things, what she discovered, of some of the things that build root kids' resilience, social competence. Well, most of the time we're now, as our kids get into teens, don't do activities except team sports based on teams by themselves. Social competence, build it. Humor is highly correlated to resilient kids because they can roll with the punches. Reading, 
not because they want to get the A, but they can take the book and sit in their bed with a flashlight and just get locked into the book and go, oh, he's got the same problem as me. Prayer. They figured that many of the kids, they can go back to just praying or meditating or whatever it is. They find one thing that they can use to decompress. And maybe this is our one moment in time basis on the pandemic to sit and say right now, what's my kid using that's healthy to help him decompress? Not all of those things, but one thing that brings him joy or works for him or her. And if they don't have any of those things, then let me start introducing things until they can find that one thing. Yeah, so good. Which leads me to thinking, to want to talk about problem solving. Yes. Because we're very good at fixing and rescuing our kids. Yes. And we think we're doing the loving thing and we're, you know, we're trying to be helpful, but you have a lot to say about helping our kids problem solve. And why? Number five of the character strengths is the one of the ones that I was like, wow, is this one one I don't know if I would have put into the mix curiosity. Thrivers or resilient kids are out-of-the-box thinkers. Oh, They're open to people and they're open to ideas. And so when the adversity or the challenge comes, and it will to every kid, they don't give up. They instead go, yeah, there's the problem, but let me find a way around it or through it. Now, what robs kids of resilience? Us. Stepping in and go, well, why don't you try it this way? Or have you thought of this? Or here's what you can do next time. And as a result, what happens is you reduce your child's ability to be self-empowered. Children who really are thrivers have agency. That means they're empowered from the inside out going, I got this, not mommy's going to do it for me. It doesn't mean that you're going to give them the car keys when they're three, but it means that slowly along the way, when they come running home from school and they're upset, there's your moment to say, oh, sweetie, give them the milk and the cookies, rub their back and go, what's bugging you? But don't give them the answer. Instead, Mm -hmm. problem solving is actually Forbes says it's one of the most highly correlated traits for effective business people out there in the real world. And how you problem solve, it's just name the problem and then let's brainstorm. Okay, that's the problem. My kids are picking on you. Well, then let's start coming up with as many answers as we can. Let's storm your brain for solutions. And not every idea is going to be the best one. Don't judge any idea. If I come up with an idea, you come up with an idea, daddy likes an idea, don't judge it. Just add on to it. Because what will happen is your kid will begin to realize there's no problem so great that can't be solved. It's in there someplace. All I have to do is keep working on it until I storm my brain and come up with a solution. Then find one. What will work for you? What do you feel comfortable with? So what's your plan to do it? Yeah, what will work for you? Because when we start giving our tweens or our teens solutions, they resist it. Yeah. You know, at that age, they're like, it shuts down the conversation rather than what do you think you want to do about that? Let's brainstorm. And then what, then asking them what sounds good to you? Well, And the key on that one is keep a poker face because some of their ideas are off the wall, but that's okay. It's just like, well, there's an idea. I didn't think of that one. You got another one and keep going. Sometimes with some kids, it helps if you tally ideas so they can begin to see that, you know, yesterday you had five ideas. Today you have seven. It's just the process. You can do the family meetings at home too, or anytime an idea comes up or a problem in a movie. Oh my gosh, what's he going to do? A problem in a book. What's he going to do? What can he do? 
okay, then let's keep reading and figure it out. That's what you want because it's highly, highly correlated to resilience. Let's not rob our kids of that opportunity to know they have agency. They can solve it. They just need to keep working on it. Yeah, don't rob them of that opportunity. Yeah, priceless. Let's just briefly talk about empathy. Teenagers, the statistics are staggering that they're lacking empathy. Why is that? What can we do? Along the way, this was the University of Michigan, and it was one of the reasons I wrote on selfie and why it's number two in as a character strength in thrivers. They begin to see over the last 30 years that American children's empathy levels have nosedived 40% in 30 years. That means empathy goes down and self-absorption goes up. Now, why? A lot of reasons. And it's not one thing because we always want to point the, to the smartphone. We do know that the longer you look down, and tweens told me over and over in the interviews, we're really good at texting. We're more comfortable texting. We're not as comfortable talking. What is empathy about? It's looking face-to-face at the other person and realizing the other person exists and that doesn't help if you keep looking at a flat screen. I'm more comfortable texting than talking. That tells me there goes the opportunity for us to learn emotional literacy. Mom looks sad. Dad looks frustrated. My friend is upset. You can't reach out and feel for the other person unless you can read from a voice tone, from a facial expression, body language. Daddy looks really stressed. Uh, And so I would strongly suggest, number one, start talking emotions far more in your family. We do, by the way, a far better job with our daughters starting at age two than we do with our sons at age two. And so our girls became really good at, oh, mommy, you look sad and angry and upset and frustrated. Well, boys, Yale says, are already lacking that skill. So by the time at age five, they get to kindergarten, they're already starting to go down the notch. Self-absorption. When stress builds, which has has in the last few months, notice that one, empathy also goes down. And what happens at the end? Burnout. You feeling that? Because you haven't had relationships with each other. So solution number one is talk feelings and emotions far more with your kids. Do it naturally. It's not like, okay, it's six o'clock. Let's do an emotional literacy lesson. The kids are going to wave the white flag and move in next door. But do it naturally. You can point it out every once in a while while you're watching a movie together. You know, fake it and sit down with your kid. Oh, I love this movie or whatever it is, but fake it. Number two, you can prime it so that when you FaceTime, not text, when you FaceTime with grandma, watch her voice, watch her face or listen to her voice and you'll know when she's getting getting a little tired. That's when it's time to hang up. Just you can use that. You can also recognize that one of the best ways for teens to reduce stress is for them to give, not get. Yes. I want you to talk about that because that's so important, giving back. Giving back. a sense of purpose. But here's the key. It's got to be not something that you choose. Oh, my gosh. Here's a great service project that's going to look really good on your resume. The craftiest parents that the kids told me were ones that figured out what the kid's passion was and ignited it that way. The best one was a boy. And... <laughs> I love this kid. I love his mother. He said, oh my gosh, my mom was so crafty because, you know, I was a senior in high school and I was really interested in this girl. But my mom thought that I should be doing service projects. So she went and became best friends with my girlfriend's mother. And then what the two of them did was decide which would be a good project for us to do together, like a homeless shelter 
only because my mom also knew that that was something I was concerned about. So we'd all do the foursome. The moms, my girlfriend and me, because I didn't have an excuse to say, mom, I'd rather be with her. Oh, no, we're all going together. <laughs> I loved the project. I loved it. You can't believe what it did to change me. It made me realize that I shouldn't be so stressed out because of how stressed they are. But then I learned to love my mom even more. I said, why? She goes, because I went away to college and I found out she's still working at that homeless shelter. We bonded because Aww. of that shelter. So here's the thing the mom did. She got crafty and she wove it in to find a friend to do it with your kid. She found what his passion was. It wasn't what's going to look good on the resume, but what is driving your kid's heart. You know, the kids from uh, Glenbard in Chicago were so worried during COVID, the teens, about their um, some of their friends who they said they're getting really depressed, Dr. Borba, and they can't get to their school counselor because we're in distance learning. I said, what are you going to do? Well, we figured out what we could do because we couldn't stand it anymore and we were getting stressed. So we created a text chain amongst ourselves of who the friends are that really needed support. And then every day what we did can you imagine this? Every day we divvied up who was going to do what because Jill is really good at baking cookies. So she baked cookies every day. And Johnny was really good at writing handwritten notes. And Kevin was really good at decorating the bag, lunch bags. <laughs> and every day what we did was we wrote a handwritten note. We dropped in some stuff. We made in the cookies. We social distanced. And then we did driveway drop-offs at the, at the driveway of the kid. I said, how'd it go? The kid said, started to cry. He said, you won't believe what happened. Every day, one of those kids calls up sobbing because they didn't realize that anybody cared. And then every day we start to sob because we go, oh my gosh, we really did something. So we have to do it again and again and again and again because we realize we can do something to help others. Wow. I could cry with that. That's so Oh, I cried. I still cry because they yeah. were so moved by it and they didn't realize that they could make a difference until the response came and they just kept having to do it over and over again. Wow. And it got them out of them themselves. Yes. They weren't lonely. Yes. They've been so isolated, lonely, and somebody cares. Somebody yes. cares. Empathy is we, not me. Yeah. So one other simple little thing you can do, I know we love to praise our kids, but we praise them so much for the single things that they do and we build up self-absorption. Praise their character. Let them know you appreciate, oh, that was so kind because, or did you notice how, how respectful that was because you held the door for grandma? Did you see the smile on her face? That's because you're a respectful person. If you start to build a caring mindset in your kid, because they see the images that you see in them, it'll just make them want to do it even more. That's what those teens were doing. We saw them, so we saw ourselves as caring. We didn't know that we were like that until we got the response back. And then some of their mothers started to call us and tell us, thank you. Oh my gosh, that really did us in. Yeah, we need some, we need more of that, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. What would you say as we get ready to close? Moms are very concerned about their kids going back to school yeah. and that they're going to be behind and yeah. that they've fallen behind and the kids are, have been more anxious and depressed. And then socially, they're struggling more with anxiety because they haven't been with kids. What would you say? Well, I would say, mom, watch out because focusing and motivation go down automatically when stress begins to build. 
If you looked at what the CDC is telling us, we're, our kids are in an absolute perfect wave right now for depression and stress if we don't realize it. Anxiety, stress, loneliness are all increasing. So what do you do? You prioritize mental health. The rest will come. You let them know, I'm here for you. You let them know, hey, when you go off to school, the grade is not the thing I'm worried about the most. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy yourself, sweetie pie. Maybe it's helping your kid practice right now the social skills that he hasn't had a chance to practice. Do you know the most three most highly correlated traits that teens use? They wave. They say hi. They make good friends. And we haven't been able to do that because we've been wearing masks. You can smile with your eyes. Take them off to when you're on a walk or you're going to the supermarket. You start modeling. Hello. Hi. How are you? Because many of the kids, particularly introverts, said they're so anxious about going back to school. Uh, please make sure that your kid has at least one buddy, somebody yes. mm -hmm. be, uh, on a phone number that he can contact because the biggest concern of your kid is not their GPA. Right now is who am I going to sit next to during lunch? Who's going to say hello to me? And I warn you, what's happened is that we know and counselors are telling me that all those groups that our kids that used to be with, many of them have disbanded and there being new groups. Bullying is starting to rise. Can you find one buddy? It doesn't have to be a best friend yeah. for your kid. Mm -hmm. Just one friend that your kid can, can knows who it is or can walk to school with. Just say to your kid, this is not going to be your best friend for life. It's just your connector. And then start finding more friends. Um, say hi. Use eye contact. That's the other thing. Do you know that your child is far more likely to be taken seriously if he wants to say no, if he doesn't look down, but he holds his head up? Tell your kid, always look at the color of the talker's eyes. They're not comfortable looking up at the, at the friend. If he's really, really shy, tell him to look at the bridge of the kid's nose or right here at the, you know, at the, right at the top up here, because at least it'll start to hold his head up and your whole body actually looks more confident in your body language. That's all in empathy. There's at least 40 skills you can teach kids. So they're assertive. Don't teach them all at once, but is there one that your child needs yeah. and how you learn that around the dinner hour? Oh, no, no, no. Let's always look at the color of the talker's eyes. Yeah. And that's as a result, so good. your yeah. kid learns it. And don't focus too much on that math grade. Focus no, right more. now. Yeah, the not right now. Come. Yeah. Your child, you can't believe um, what kids are telling me, how anxious they are, how worried they are, how concerned they are. But here's the thing that you need to know. They don't want to tell you those worries because they don't want to disappoint you. Yeah. So mm -hmm. let them know you're there for them. It's going to be okay. You got this, sweetie pie. I'm here for you. That's the kind of thing. When I ask kids, what do you want your moms to say to you more? I love you for who you are. You got it. No matter who you are, you'll never disappoint me, sweetie. Those are the kind of things like I go, oh, God, this is. But that's what we need to hear more. Not like what you get. But yeah. thanks for being who you are. Yeah. 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 And focusing on those positive versus the negatives. Yeah. It just yeah. that bring some fun into your home. Play music. Do whatever yeah. it is. Dance. Yeah. Lighten the yeah. Bring Put the comedies on. Those are yeah. the things that a laughter is actually one of the, the greatest gifts to be able to reduce our stress. That's another one. Little ordinary things make extraordinary differences. Resilience is teachable. Thrivers are made, not born. It's not a program. It's a process. And it's a combination of simple little skills that I was trying to do when I was 
writing thrivers of here's the things that keep coming up in science and they do make a difference. GPAs are important. And I'm not saying stop helping your kid be successful in school, but you need a different skill set if you're going to really be able to handle life together. That's what's going to optimize your kid's ability to thrive. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, so, so good. I You just shared so much. And I I think every parent needs to get this book. It's such a good book for educators, too, to be focusing on these things in schools. And I know that you're going around to different schools and sharing this. And I so appreciate your work. Oh, thank you. I mean, it was like amazing. I I just got an email from Newport Mesa. They bought 600 copies of the books for their teachers going, oh my gosh, because they, they said, let's do it. State of California just adopted it as a state read aloud. We did they bought a thousand copies for the first thousand parents who would show up and listen to the webinar because they said, let's get parents and teachers together on this. That's what we need. Thri- Thrivers is an audio. It's a digital. It's in hardback. But even so, you can also start just talking about resilience with your best friend. Just say, what can we do? You reinforce this. I'll reinforce this. And we get on board as moms together. That's how we're going to make a difference on our kids' lives. Yes. I love picking one thing and working on it ourselves yeah. and sharing it yeah. with our kids Yeah, because they catch it. They yeah. catch it. So yeah. we'll tell everybody where to find you. And Aww. you have, I do want to tell the moms that you have an, you have all kinds of um, things that they can print out. Like you have an assessment, a strengths assessment. You have just tell them about your... Oh, thank you. Uh, my, I'm Michelle Borba. Most important thing, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 1L Michelle. I was my say- last name, Borba, rhymes with Zorba. So you just go to michelleborba.com. Um, there are, there's book discussion guides for educators. There's one for parent, parent groups to just start up. You get a group of about 12 moms. I'll join you with a Zoom on a book club if that's what you'd like. Just free, whatever Ooh, you want. I like that just idea. On that. Yeah, I just think we need to reset at our parenting and just get into we can we got this we can do this and that's what our kids deserve and need um it also does have thank you very much a lot of uh, assessment tools you can download and the publisher was really nice putnam to give a, similar things that are part of the book as free downloads yeah it's wonderful i shared it with my community as well the pdfs and said you gotta you gotta use these oh, thank so, you yeah yeah Thank you for everything you're doing and putting out into the world. And I will put all the links um, with this along with this podcast so they can easily access things. Thank you. Wow. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Michelle. That's it for today. And thank you, friend, for listening in. And I have a special request. I would love if you would leave a review if you're enjoying this podcast. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, if you would just go to the review section and leave a review, I would so appreciate it. I really want to get the word out and get this to more parents and caregivers so that they can benefit from everything that we share here. Also, check out momsoftweensandteens.com and you will find tons of resources and links to support you on your parenting journey. So thank you for joining me today and I will see you back here next time.